everyone wants to get more sleep, and there are a ton of different sleep hacks out there, noise machines, meditation, earplugs, which I do, but you can immediately transform your sleep with Bowl & Branch. We have Bowl & Branch sheets in our house. They're in white. They are so soft. In fact, we say all the time, but they really do get softer with every wash. And the sheets also come in a really pretty box, kind of wrapped up like a present just for you. They feel buttery and breathable to start. And again, as Motion and I always say, they get softer with every wash. Best of all, it feels a little bit luxurious every time you slip into bed. These best-selling sheets are also made with the finest 100% organic cotton. They are completely free from toxins, soft yet super breathable. There's a 30-night worry-free guarantee so you can wash them, style them, and sleep in them for an entire month. And if you don't really love them, you could send them back right away. And again, they're made without toxins. There's no synthetic pesticides, formaldehyde, and other harsh chemicals. So sleep better with the softest, most breathable bedding from Bowl & Branch. Get 15% off your order when you use the promo code MONEWS at bowlandbranch.com. That is Bowl & Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com. That promo code MONEWS, M-O-N-E-W-S, for 15%, off your order. Hey everyone, it is Thursday, June 16th. I'm Moshe Wanunu, and you're listening to the Mo News Podcast. I'm joined, of course, by my colleague and friend, Jill Wagner. Hey, Jill. Moshe, good morning. Rough night over there? <laughs> <laughs> Hearing my voice? A no. little bit. What's going on? <laughs> it's actually a head cold. Uh, I have no fun excuse for my voice right now. I just had some sort of cold, but I have like some spritz. My wife has given me a throat spray and some tea. So uh, that that is the exciting background noise you might hear during the podcast today. All right. Well, thank you for the heads up. <laughs> but most importantly, uh, I want to thank everyone who this week ha- helped us take this podcast to top 10 in the charts, number six officially on the news charts, and top 40 overall podcasts in all categories, Jill. It, it's so exciting. Um, and just a huge, huge thank you to everybody who is listening. Um, look, you, you, there's a lot of options out there. You could spend your 20, 30 minutes with anyone. So we do appreciate you spending them with us. Uh, but now let's give people what they're actually here for, which is some news. Here is what we are working on today. The Fed taking some major action to get inflation under control. Ukraine at the breaking point. Squid Game, the reality show. And of course, we like to end the week with our picks for what we are watching, reading, and eating over the weekend. Most Thursdays the weekend, right? People, are we working Fridays? I, I don't know. Or is that a 2019? So 2019 of you, Jill. Uh, though I will remind folks that our newsletter does come out on Friday, so folks shouldn't check out too quickly. Um, but I am very excited, by the way, Jill, for Squid, the Squid Game reality show. We'll talk about it in a bit, as well as what we're watching, reading, eating. I have no shortage of things I might do this weekend. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's start with a little talk about the economy. The Fed taking aggressive action to try and tame inflation, raising interest rates by 0.75%. That is the biggest interest rate hike since 1994. It comes as inflation surged 8.6% from May of 2021 to 2022. The price of staples like gas, food, and rent climbing a whole lot more than that. 
Also of note, the Fed saying that it does not expect inflation to get down to a healthy level or a goal of about 2% until 2024. So here's what this means. An interest rate hike means higher borrowing costs for things like mortgages, car loans, and credit cards. And Moshe, as you and I have talked about before, it's a balancing act here because the Fed is trying to find this right balance between raising interest rates to slow down the economy, decrease demand, hopefully slow down inflation, but also not triggering a recession. It's called a, a, quote, soft landing, but it's not so easy. Yeah, Jill, to carry over that soft landing metaphor, if you will, this is sort of like landing on an aircraft carrier, a uh, aircraft carrier in the middle of the ocean with one of those jets. So we know we've had one quarter of negative growth. That was the first quarter. Two quarters in a row means the U.S. is technically in a recession. Second quarter ends the end of June, so we'll know this in July if we've officially hit a recession. By the way, in brief, because I've asked this a lot on Instagram, a recession, what does it mean? It means the economy is getting smaller instead of growing. And it could be brief or it could last you know, a year or more if history is any guide. One of the bright spots in the U.S. economy thus far has been the job market. But even there, we're starting to see layoffs, and that's a concern with a recession. That people stop spending money, businesses then lay off people, you have more people out of work, unemployment rate goes up, and even more people then stop spending money. So you can see where this becomes a cycle and gets worse. Um, The issue here is this is sort of intentional by the Fed. They're trying, as you said, to slow things down, but not stop it completely and make it go backwards, which is essentially a recession, right? So one of the things we mentioned here is the layoffs. Uh, You have started to see uh, a, a couple companies start to lay folks off. Coinbase, the crypto exchange, has laid off nearly 20% of its workforce, 1,000 employees. Uh, and you're seeing as the housing market slows down, companies, uh, real estate uh, companies like Compass and Redfin are cutting their workforces. It is interesting, though. Mortgage rates right now are about 6%. That's double where they were at the start of the year. But most you talked to Barbara Corcoran for one of our premium newsletter editions a few weeks ago. And she thought mortgage rates would have to go to almost 10% to see a real slowdown. I guess the jury is still out at this point on the real impact to the housing market. It's it's actually it's still higher than pre-pandemic levels, but mostly because inventory is still so low. That's true. Uh, you know, I have been hearing from folks on Instagram who are saying at the prospect of six or even eight percent mortgages, which we may see in the coming months, that uh, they're probably not going to go uh, give up a two or a three percent mortgage for that right now. So you know, they're saying, why would I sell if that's the prospect of what I would buy? Same thing for buyers, by the way, who thought you know maybe they could afford a $600,000 house or $700,000 house at a 2% mortgage, but now can probably afford a $400,000 or $500,000 house at a 6% mortgage. Um, the additional issue here, by the way, Jill, is that we think about the economy kind of holistically and at a macro level. If the market, if the housing market slows down, that trickles to the rest of the economy. So if less people are buying houses, less people need to go to Home Depot, less people need new furniture, need new paint. And so there is a trickle to all these things the Fed is sort of intentionally doing. Uh, One of the biggest reasons at this point for the sky high inflation, though, gas prices, which are now averaging more than five bucks a gallon nationwide. In response, President Biden's calling on U.S. oil companies to produce more gas. Uh, We should note a lot of these companies, as you're mentioning, uh, what happened in 2020, cut back on production and their capacity to refine oil into gas at the start of the pandemic when prices just dropped so precipitously. Um, The president saying it's time to ramp up production again. But most, you know, they could say that all they want. But what is really the incentive for these companies to make those investments? It's not cheap. 
Yeah, and also these companies feel burned by what happened in previous cycles where they drilled and the prices went down. And their shareholders and investors are seeing record profits right now. So what's the incentive to spend a whole bunch of money to drill? Biden is, by the way, heading to Saudi Arabia, um, which is obviously one of the world's largest oil producers. He's headed there next month where he'll meet with the Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman. Officially, the White House says this trip is not about gas prices, but you know it's pretty clear you head to Saudi Arabia as you hit record gas prices. They're going to be talking about oil. There have been reports in recent months that the Saudis and the neighbor over there, the United Arab Emirates, have rebuffed Biden, who's been sort of begging them to produce more oil. Um, they're not happy with the pressure the U.S. puts on them. Biden's like, no, 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 we're friends again. I know you assassinated a journalist, and I called you out on that, but like, can we sort of shake hands and move on because... I got to be reelected. I got to keep the House and Senate and I need some oil. Um, I also just want to mention this story that you had posted on on the most Instagram feed about that gas station worker in California. He accidentally put the decimal point in the wrong place. So the station wound up charging people 69 cents a gallon instead of six ninety nine a gallon. <laughs> I so feel for this guy. He lost his job. Um, over, you know, misputting the decimal. He didn't realize it for several hours. Drivers lined up for blocks. The station lost $16,000, and then he lost his job. By the way, his family set up a GoFundMe because they're scared the station's going to come after him for the dollars. I did hear from a lot, of, uh, a lot of people on Instagram who are very sympathetic to him, and were sort of mad at these drivers for taking advantage of the situation because it turns out somebody found the, the flaw, 69 cents, and then other people were calling. They're putting it on Twitter. And so a lot of people found out about it before they, they caught it. You know, I'm surprised that nobody at the gas station realized it quicker, right? Because what were they thinking was the reason that everybody was lining up for gas? <laughs> The the poor guy who did it might have I you know I don't know the details and why it took him several hours to figure it out but um, I was meaning to check up on his GoFundMe account we I should check in on him and see if uh, he's raised the money to pay back the gas station. Uh, one of the reasons though that gas prices are as high as they are right now is because of the war in Ukraine. So I do want to get a little status update on what's going on over there. It has been more than a hundred and ten days since Russia invaded Ukraine. Intelligence officials say that the war has now reached a pivotal moment that could determine the long-term outcome of the conflict, according to CNN. To that end, Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky urging Western nations to send more weapons and send them fast. Fighting has now centered on that eastern Donbass region of the country, particularly two cities. Russia actually just blew up one of the bridges that served as a possible evacuation route for Ukrainian civilians. And one of the big concerns now from U.S. officials is that Russia will be able to basically take the gains that they're making in the eastern part of the country and then potentially use that to push even further into Ukraine. Uh, Most, it's amazing that Ukraine has been able to hold on for as long as it has. Some experts that we had spoken to uh, on Mo News and just uh, pretty much everyone thought it would take Russia just a few days to take over the whole country. What has changed so dramatically recently? Why is it that Russia is now really getting the upper hand here? Yeah, and by the way, one of those experts was the former CIA director who was like, they're going to take Kiev in three days. And by the way, he wasn't alone. That was the entire CIA, uh, their assessment. And they're doing a sort of a reimagining right now at the CIA of like, how did we get that so wrong? Now, what <laughs> happened? Ukraine uh, has put up a valiant defense. They've obviously gotten a lot of support from the West. Um, and it wasn't necessarily Russia's strength to take over a country overnight in a few days. 
Russian war tactics, as I understand them, are like day-to-day artillery destroying things inch by inch. That is now what they're doing in the Far East, the area called Donbass. So their initial plan to take the whole country didn't quite work out. They didn't have their supply chain, ready, supply lines ready to go, etc. So there was sort of this kind of uh, pause, reset by the Russians and Putin, realization that like everything the West can throw at us, we can take. Uh, no one's going to stop us. And so we're going to reset over in the East where we already control more territory, Crimea and part of the East, which Russia took in 2014. So this is sort of home base for them on the Russian border, and they're going inch by inch. And over time, uh, Russia, remember, has the bigger military, much more equipment. Ukraine is now running out of weapons. By the way, they mainly had a Russian-made arsenal. Most of Ukraine's weapons are Russian-made, because remember, they were a former Soviet republic. Well, guess when they run out of bullets who they have to turn to for bullets for the Russian-made weapons? Well, that is now why they're going to the West, where there's a big NATO meeting this week. The U.S. has already promised a billion in new weapons. They're getting weapons from Germans and others, who as basically means that the Ukrainians need to completely change their arsenal to a Western arsenal mid-war because their Russian equipment is now out of bullets and the one country that can give them bullets is at war with them. <laughs> Talk about the irony. It's incredible. But the big question that we've been asking, you know, basically since before the war even started is how it's going to end. The French president now urging Ukraine to negotiate with Russia, make some sort of concessions um, so that Putin could save face and just put an end to this. But Putin appears to show no signs, really, of wanting a quick end, despite all of those sanctions on the country and everything else. Yeah, Putin wants to win, and Putin has realized that um, the West has short attention spans. I mean, we've shown that over time. Everyone, you know, uh, who put Ukrainian flags in their shop windows and countries that supported the Ukrainians initially, uh, they have a lot of uh, challenges to deal with. We mentioned them in the first story today, inflation, gas prices. And so there's a lot of uh, governments that uh, want to be able to support Ukraine, but right now their priority is their own people. The U.S. Joint Chiefs of Staff has basically said this could go on for years, because as far as Putin is concerned, the West showed its cards, and the biggest thing that the West said was, we're not you know, going to send weapons. Uh, we're going to send weapons, but we won't send troops. And so it's sort of like the meatloaf song, the West will do anything for Ukraine, but they won't do that. <laughs> And so Putin knows that. And he's like, cool, I don't have to contend with you guys. I'm going to just keep at it because you're not going to stop me. And um, that's that's ultimately where we're at right now. And the challenge for uh, Zelensky in Ukraine. I love a, a meatloaf reference, Moshe, in the middle of a, a Ukraine story. Very impressive. That's what you get here on the Mo News Podcast. <laughs> I have promised to drop a Seinfeld reference in every podcast. So we'll see if I could do it this time. I'm not 100% sure it's going to happen. You know, what struck me, though, as you just kind of mentioned, the world has pretty much moved on in a lot of ways here in the U.S. We've got mass shootings, gun legislation, inflation. Ukraine went from a lead story to kind of being a footnote. Um, And it's not I'm not pointing the finger at the media. You you and I are guilty of it as well. It's like there's just so much bandwidth that people have. Um, But it's 2022. We've got one country that just invaded another untold how many lives lost, millions of people displaced, including two out of three kids, according to the UN. And the world kind of watched and let it happen. Yes, we, we sent weapons, but you know, I'm not a military expert. I'm not arguing one side or the other that we should have gotten involved directly in fighting. We could be in World War III right now. Um, but it, I don't know, we're both students of history, and I kind of thought this yeah. type of warfare 
ended with World War II. Because at the end of the day here, Russia could walk away with half of Ukraine. Well, by the way, they already have 20% of Ukraine, uh, which is about the size for Americans of New York State. Um, And keep in mind that uh, Ukraine is about the size of Texas. But yeah, they totally could. You know, as student of history, you would know, by the way, that like, I don't believe that Europe since, you know, going back a thousand years has ever had a century without a war of someone taking uh, another, you know, country's land or some sort of war between states. And so you had it through the 20th century. And we sort of thought after 1945, 50 million dead, World War II, like we're kind of over this whole thing. Um, but at the same time, Putin has his own ambitions. He believes that the, uh, t- the coming apart of the Soviet Union was their biggest undoing. And the biggest thing right now is there's no one to stop him. You know, our friend uh, Ian Bremer, who we had on the uh, newsletter, who was in, we did an interview with him in the newsletter last week, his media company, literally, he refers to a G0 world. He calls it G0 media. G0 being there used to be, you know, two great powers. You still have like the G7, you know, uh, nations. But ultimately, it's a G0 world because there's not a global police officer. We sort of did that. If you could, if you want to mark dates from Pearl Harbor through Afghanistan. And you can kind of see as uh, what was going on in Afghanistan is sort of the closing chapter. The U.S. is now done being a global police officer, and this now means that there might be this reversion to land wars that feel like they're a relic from a previous century. Okay, time now for our speed read, where we take headlines straight from the newspaper or the websites that we like to follow. This one uh, coming from Yahoo Finance. Pfizer, Moderna COVID-19 vaccines recommended for kids five and younger. Uh, An advisory panel to the FDA voted unanimously to recommend two COVID-19 vaccines for kids ages five and younger. The two vaccines, one from Pfizer, one from Moderna, have been long awaited to help inoculate the youngest and still unvaccinated population in the U.S., it was a 21 to 0 vote for both companies, and it's the first step in what's expected to be a quick pathway to authorization before the FDA makes a formal decision. Yeah, Jill, my understanding is that if everything goes according to plan, uh, as soon as next week, kids under five, and there are 18 million of them uh, in the U.S., will be eligible uh, for the vaccine. They have, by the way, accounted for 3% of known COVID cases. They slightly over-index in some hospitalizations in some states. Though the, the data is still disappointing to me because I go to the CDC website and half the states in the union don't parcel out their data by age. So it's still, it's still hard to get a grip on this um, two years into the pandemic. Now, ultimately, uh, parents of kids under five will have two options. You have, the, as you mentioned, the Pfizer vaccine and the Moderna vaccine. The Pfizer vaccine will be two shots followed by a third shot. Uh, two months later. Moderna has gone with a two-shot regimen. Uh, and you can look at all the... I, I was looking at all the numbers. It's like, this is a quarter dose of an adult dose. This is one-tenth of an adult dose. I think ultimately, you know, it'll be up to parents to to make that decision. Uh, I know that the efficacy wasn't great initially for uh, the Pfizer vaccine, which is why they added the third shot. And of course, we're still waiting on variants. Jill, you're, you're the parent of a child in that age range. <laughs> yes. How are you feeling about this? Um, I, you know, I, I, I think three shots is, uh, uh, is tough. I have to say, and, and I'm somebody who's, I'm, I'm very pro vaccine. I'm ex- I was excited to get my daughter vaccinated. I, I was certainly excited to get myself vaccinated, but I, I think compliance is going to be an issue here. Um, even with two vaccines, data shows that people get the first, but don't always come back for the second. 
Um, and now you're going to add a third. That's three separate trips to the doctor or whoever is going to be administering the vaccines. I think, I think yes, I think there's going to be a, a definitely a small contingent of people who are going to run out, get it for their kids ASAP. I think the three shots might be difficult. And the truth is two shots, it, really not effective, um, according to the data. Yeah, at least in that Pfizer um, Pfizer vaccine, I think Moderna is slightly slightly better. But honestly, I haven't been able to parcel through all the data, and I neither have many parents. It sounds like because a recent survey suggests that only one in five parents of children under five plan to get their children vaccinated right away. A lot are going to say wait and see. And by the way, for uh, children five to eleven. Um, only a third of them have gotten the two doses so far. Also on the COVID front, Dr. Fauci, senior advisor to the president on the pandemic, has COVID. He's 81 years old. He has not had recent close contact with the president or other senior officials. Fauci has mild symptoms. Most interestingly, you said every time that you post about an official, whomever it may be, getting COVID, you hear from readers who are like, who cares? Leave us alone. We don't want to hear about this. <laughs> They're like 2020 called. Uh, they want their story back. Like, oh, who has COVID? Like, shocker. Um, no, I, 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 I'm glad to hear that Dr. Fauci only has mild symptoms. Um, and I know that like he's double vaccinated, double boosted. Um, he's Fauci, of course. But uh, yeah, I, I was actually thinking today, I was like, who have we not heard had COVID? I think President Biden might be the only person, like prominent person that I can think of that hasn't had a case yet, or at least that they haven't publicized. And it's so funny because you, I, you this is where you and I, I, we talked about on the last podcast, where it's like, I'm still in pandemic mode in a lot of ways, yeah. and you're so not. So to me, I saw this and I'm like, Moshe, we have a new lead. And you're like, it's not even going in the podcast, Jill. Nobody cares. <laughs> and then we decided to put it in said podcast so we could talk about how I didn't want to put it in the podcast. Exactly. <laughs> I think it's always good to, to give a little behind the scenes how the sausage gets made. All right, from the BBC, Google engineer says Lambda AI system may have its own feelings. Okay, what? Uh, a Google engineer <laughs> says one of the firm's artificial intelligence systems might have its own feelings and that its wants should be respected. Google says the language model for dialogue applications, or Lambda, is a breakthrough technology that can engage in free-flowing conversations. That engineer believes that behind Lambda's impressive verbal skills might also lie a sentient mind. Google rejecting those claims, saying there's nothing to back it up. The engineer has actually been placed on paid leave. Mosh, I know you love this story, right? <laughs> it just it's, it just so feels like 21st century to me. Like there's been enough science fiction about it. You're like, a scientist from Google has been fired because he says the computer that he's working with has its own feelings and they should take those feelings seriously. And that's how much progress they've made. By the way, I believe that that's what sentient means. We kept hearing this word, Jill, sentient, sentient mind. I tried not to have to say it, but <laughs> but alas, it, it had to happen. Um, you know what this reminds me of, though? Have you Did you ever see the movie Her with Joaquin Phoenix? It came out about a decade ago. His character falls in love with an operating system. It's voiced by Scarlett Johansson. Uh-huh. I don't. It, it was like part romance, part sci-fi fantasy, but that's what it feels like. It's like kind of close to already happening here. So basically, he, the engineer who got fired, like was like, "Oh no, this is a real person. They have feelings, and we have to take this seriously. This is how much progress we've made. We've gotten computers to the level of a seven-year-old, and this is everyone's greatest fear, which is we create a being or we create a computer that thinks quicker than us and also has emotions." 
Now that said, what some of the AR community, to what you pointed out, is like he's totally overplaying this. This is basically autocomplete, glorified autocomplete software. So what this engineer took to be feelings was basically like Google filling in the blank. When you're like, <laughs> I'm really hungry, so I want to go to A, and then Google fills it. That's what this uh, sentient you know, computer uh, was. And so there's a lot of engineers out there who are poo-pooing the uh, capabilities of Lambda, despite what this one engineer said. Okay, Mosh, fill, fill in the blank. These pretzels are making me... Hungry! Thirsty. Thir- <laughs> oh, God. Thirsty. This is my Seinfeld reference of the day. These pretzels are making me thirsty. Do you not know the episode? Yeah, well, I, I remember, but I went with hungry because that's what my sentient mind went to. And then I was like, logically, Mosh, why would pretzels make you hungry? They clearly make you thirsty. <laughs> This is the problem, though, I guess, with this autofill, right? <laughs> Everybody <laughs> interprets things and, and has their own mind. Um, all right, let's move on. Squid Game, reality series coming to Netflix with the biggest cash prize in TV history. That headline from The Hollywood Reporter. While the stakes won't be life or death, presumably, Squid Game, the challenge will have 456 players competing in a series of games for the chance to win. 4.56 million bucks. Netflix claims the payout is the largest lump sum cash prize in TV history, although Fox's X Factor has previously given out recording contracts worth about $5 million, um, and that the show likewise also sports the largest competition series cast ever assembled. 456 is such a specific number. I found that interesting. Was that part of the show? I don't remember. <laughs> I, I don't remember. Um, and also, I'm looking for a guarantee from Netflix that everyone will live. Yeah, <laughs> I, I hope I, so. <laughs> I put I put a poll on Instagram, and I was like, anyone interested in this uh, being on this game show? And I think only like 20%. I had like 10,000 respondents, and only 20% were like, I'm game. The other 80% are like, I don't trust Netflix. Um, <laughs> by the way, they are casting. They're taking applications. If you are interested, it's squidgamecasting.com. Um, it, uh, it's going to be English speaking. Um, and, uh, I know that the production will be tricky as producers won't know who's going to survive in advance. So they're going to have to get like sufficient coverage to like cover 456 contestants, which like as a TV producer, uh, is very stressful to me. I, it blows my mind. I mean, cause they're basically going to, how many, forget the contestants, you're going to need that many staff actually right i mean if you're following all of these people um this just feels like it i don't know i i, I don't know how it's it, gonna go it's i mean it's like covering sports really i mean i was in a production truck i did an internship for nbc olympics in 2004 at the athens games and i remember being in like in a boxing truck and we were watching like nine boxing matches at the same time and each one had 10 cameras it's just like that's mind-boggling and like in a boxing ring you have two people so <laughs> Good luck to the producers at Netflix. Uh, but I know that this will certainly get some attention when this comes up. All right. Now for what we are watching, reading, and eating this weekend. I feel like you, so you've got a, tra- a lot on the agenda. I'm looking at this list here. <laughs> this is a tradition. Uh, we've A tradition like none other, like no other, uh, that we started in the newsletter several uh, months ago that we do in every Friday edition of the newsletter, the watching, reading, and eating all right, so I haven't finished the last season of Ozark yet. I have a few episodes there. Um, my wife, Alice, kept hearing about the show Hacks. Have you watched that? Yes, it's wonderful. I'm, I, I watched the first season, and I, I'm about to start the second. It's, it's great. Okay, good. So we'll stick with that. 
Um, we also have on the list the J Lo net the, the J Lo show on Netflix. I haven't gotten to run on Apple. There's a new episode of For All Mankind, our favorite show on over on Apple TV as well. And Alex puts a shout out for anyone. I don't know if I'll get to this weekend, but the Julia Child show on HBO Max. She loved it. Okay, and anyone who knows me knows that I basically just rewatch Schitt's Creek, Seinfeld, and 90210 on a loop. Do 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 do. I clearly peaked in the '90s and just have not been able to move on. It was great television. It was a great television time. I can still. I mean, I watched too much of it in the '90s, Jill. But like, I could tell you that like Mad About You was on Wednesdays and the lineup on Thursdays. With like friends Seinfeld in ER, and then at some point you got West Wing, but then they moved West Wing to Wednesdays. I, I was, I obsessively watched TV in the nineties. I thought Mad About You was was part of must see TV on Thursday. Initially, and then they move it because it was strong enough on its own. The uh-huh. Paul Reiser Helen Hunt series there, they moved it to Wednesday to be kind of a tentpole on Wednesday nights. All right, so what are we reading, Mosh? Um, I love this interview with Tom Hanks in New York Times Magazine. Um, which everyone should take a look at. Uh, the one thing that struck me initially was uh, Tom Hanks has a, millions of followers on Twitter, and he was asked like, by the reporter, like, why did you stop tweeting? And this is his quote. I stopped posting because, number one, I thought it was an empty exercise. I have enough attention on me. But also, I'd post something goofy like, here's a pair of shoes I saw in the middle of the street. And the third comment would be, eh. F you, Hanks. I don't know if I want to give that guy the forum. If the third comment is F you, you Obama-loving communist, it's like, I don't need to do that. <laughs> it's like, who needs that in their life? If you're a Tom Hanks, what is the upside, right? He, he's so true. <laughs> it's, it's, by the way, I've never heard of a more perfect encapsulation of Twitter than like, here's a pair of shoes I found on the street. F you, Tom Hanks. <laughs> It's honestly why I took the Instagram two years ago, because I was like, Twitter's so nasty. <laughs> I, I'm totally... I'm to- <laughs> uh, while Jill laughs, I'll tell, you, I'll tell everyone that one of the other things that I found really interesting in the interview... Wait, can Hanks, I just say also, as, I, yeah. as I'm just... I really need. I need to get a grip. Sorry, um, I'm just. I'm picturing Tom Hanks <laughs> looking at a pair of shoes in the street. Oh my god! I'm picture. Thank you, Moshe. I needed this laugh. No, it's good, Tom. If you're listening to this podcast, which you know, I don't know, we're number six on the charts, Jill. So maybe he did listen to us. Uh, we'd love to have you on to talk further about. <laughs> The comments you got on Twitter, poor, poor soul. <laughs> uh, the reason I'm laughing so hard is because I'm just picturing him, like, you know, <laughs> innocently posting this and then, of course, going <laughs> going on. <laughs> Forget and then, like, it. a single I, tear, I, like, I, a single tear coming down his cheek. Like, <laughs> I thought this was a beautiful image, like, like the feather in Forrest Gump. Correct. Um, oh. Speaking of which, uh, also in the interview, uh, he talks about how Forrest Gump and Philadelphia, two movies, award-winning movies he was in, couldn't be made the same way today. Obviously, he's like Gary Sinise, couldn't play Lieutenant Dan these days because Gary Sinise has legs in real life, and they would want somebody without legs to play uh, Lieutenant Dan, potentially. And then the Philadelphia thing struck me because he was like, and, and this is what he had to say about that, um, 
let's address, this is Tom Hanks talking, could a straight man do what I did in Philadelphia now? No, and rightly so. The whole point of Philadelphia was don't be afraid. One of the reasons people weren't afraid of that movie is that I was playing a gay man. We're beyond that now, and I don't think people would accept the inauthenticity of a straight guy playing a gay guy. Um, as I wipe tears from that laughter away, <laughs> um, this is this is a huge issue now. Um, you know, th- this question of can and should somebody who is not gay or black or Asian or, or any other kind of marginalized community be cast to play someone who is. And I don't know if you've seen this. There is some debate in the Jewish community right now about Bradley Cooper, who is not Jewish, um, who's being who's cast as the composer Leonard Bernstein in this biopic. It's in the works right now for Netflix. And he's even wearing a prosthetic nose. Um, and it's just it, it's a fascinating debate. I mean, I give um, you know casting directors and, and producers some license to be creative and stuff. But it is a re- I understand why it's upsetting. Well. All right. What are we eating and drinking, Mosh? Well, right now I'm still drinking tea because I still have this bug in my throat. Uh, <laughs> but I will say we've come back um, uh, obsessed with this uh, like fruit soda beverage that uh, we rediscovered in Israel. My wife and I were just there recently called Gazoz, G-A-Z-O-Z. You can catch her recipe for it on my uh, wife's Instagram account at Alsol at A-L-S-A-L-L. By the way, I found out, did a little history, originally a French drink. Uh, brought to the Middle East and became popular in Turkey and um, Israel about 100 years ago. Okay, and I'm going to just be eating everything at my Father's Day barbecue this weekend. Chicken, burgers, corn, the usual, nothing fancy. Um, I do want to take this opportunity, though, to shout out all of the fathers out there um, or the father figures out there, including my own. I, I would not be who I am without him. And also my husband, it is a joy to see his relationship with my daughter. Uh, so just a big happy Father's Day to everybody. Absolutely. Uh, happy Father, Happy Father's Day to my father, Charlie <laughs> Winnie over in Chicago. You're like, Jill, now I have to do a happy Father's Day. <laughs> no, wait. I, I was like, oh, I got to wish my dad a happy Father's Day. So Charlie, happy Father's Day. <laughs> Father-in-law Brandon, Saul, happy Father's Day to you um, and, and to all the fathers of the day. But... Um, before Father's Day, Jill, I want to do a little belated happy birthday for you. Oh, thank you. You had, you had a big birthday this week. I did. I, I, I did. I wanted to, you were like texting me and you were like working and I was like, Jill, you got to take the day off. You got you to gotta enjoy <laughs> your birthday. I was, but you know what it is? It's, I, I think when you hit a certain age or just a certain level of pregnancy where you're just like, there's... <laughs> There's not much to do. I, we are going to maybe try and <laughs> celebrate or do something Saturday, but uh, thank, I really appreciate it. And you and Alex sent me really pretty flowers, um, so thank you. You deserve it. You deserve it, Jill. Enjoy, enjoy your birthday. I, I hope they, uh, you know, they before Father's Day, the Saturday is your day. Um, I was. I thought you were going to say, I hope you don't kill the flowers. I, I, that's. I thought that was where <laughs> you were going with it. <laughs> Because um, I have been known to do that, unfortunately. Um, but I think this podcast may have gone off the rails a little bit. <laughs> so thank you for bearing with us. <laughs> Let us know, folks, how you feel about it. Uh, Let us know. Yes. We'd like feedback. Yes. yes. Thank you for listening. Um, we do want to hear from you. You can email us at contactmonews at gmail.com. Um, and also, don't forget, you could subscribe to the Mo News newsletter at monews.bulletin.com and follow Mosh on Instagram at Mosh, M-O-S-H-E-H.
And of course, as I obsessively refresh the podcast uh, <laughs> charts in the App Store, I want to tell everyone who's made it to this point in the podcast, please make sure to follow the show and review us uh, in the App Store. Every single one makes a difference. <laughs> on Apple and Spotify as I track us going up and down. It was actually an incredible week. And again, I want to thank folks because we did not expect the um, um, all the love that we got this week. And we're so grateful to all of you. And like Jill said, we want to hear from you. Um, right now, I know that you're listening to us on Apple and Spotify. We're over on Stitcher. And I promise you, we are getting onto every app that uh, does podcasts. So we will be everywhere where you get your podcasts yeah. very, very soon. And and Mosh, when he said he was obsessively checking <laughs> the lists, he meant it. Um, and, and again, thank you all. Have a great weekend. And uh, any comments, send them our way. We will respond. And, and good, bad, or ugly, we'll take it. Happy Father's Day, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>